Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. So we're on Genesis 21 verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. So the word there for visited is took note of. It's kind of like God had not forgotten Sarah in this whole process. And now, just like he said, he's turned up to keep this promise. Good morning, Mary and Pete. Good to see you. And Jack or John, Johnny. Um, so he'd not forgotten Sarah and here he is the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised and Sarah conceived and bore bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time which God had spoken to him Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him whom Sarah bore to him Isaac now this is really interesting isn't it, it kind of says it his son whom who was born to him whom Sarah bore him and it's like let's underline this whole event like in bright orange this is the significant event this is the thing that God has been promising I think 25 years ago God promised Abraham this child and now finally (laughs) Abraham's 100 and Sarah's in her 90s and suddenly here's this child of promise isn't it absolutely wonderful so there are we, I think we get frustrated with God, don't we? Because his timescales are so different to ours. And, you know, we hear it, don't we? People say, oh, yeah, well, with God, a, a days is a thousand years. And you kind of think, oh, gosh, yeah, but he knows us. Surely he can speed up the process. And there's poor Abraham and Sarah waiting all this time. And then suddenly, boom, there is Isaac. Now, we read the story and we know the ending. So we say, yeah, of course. Yeah. Whoa. They get their baby just like God promised because nothing's too hard for God. Nothing's too wonderful for God. And yet when we're in the middle of it, boy, oh boy, it does require some tenacity and hanging in their ability, doesn't it? Little sip of coffee to help us on our way. And so there we go. This wonderful moment, Sarah conceived and bore to Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. So bang on cue, not too late, not too early. There's the child as God promised. And this is in against the backdrop of all these kind of oh, risky moments with the king Abimelech and possibly even the king of Egypt all those years before. Um, God preserved Sarah as the... Um, 
the mother of that child without any other human intervention and uh, just as God had promised it came about I love it and so Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him whom Sarah bore him Isaac which we know means laughter which I think is super exciting I love that God's promise comes to us through a child called laughter and not some nice religious name and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. So Abraham's on it. He's getting on with this job now. He knows what to do. He's been thoroughly prepped by God and is, uh, you know, there being obedient to the letter in this kind of moment. Now he's finally got this child that God promised. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Oh my God, that's just so funny. I love that. I love that God, God is in on this big family joke, this big family chuckle. And they must have surely been the Chuckle family for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And all the servants, all the people in the vicinity would have come. And you can imagine Sarah walking around the neighborhood with her baby strapped to her back. And people saying, wow, this is amazing. Let me see. Let me see. And pick, you know, sort of peeling off the layers of covering the baby's always under wrappers aren't they peeling off the wrappers to see this little baby and I would imagine Isaac was just so loved and adored by everybody and, and no doubt he would have been the most smiley baby imaginable because every face who looked at him would have had this massive cheesy grin on as he saw and just admired this miracle of what God had done <laughs> so good and that's the right environment for a baby to grow up in. Lots and lots of smiles, lots of laughter, lots of face-to-face -face contact. And that's just precisely what a newborn baby needs to thrive. So then verse 8, it says, And the child grew and was weaned. Now some dispute about how long it would have taken them back then to wean a child, maybe possibly two, three years. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the, the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. This is really painful isn't it so in amongst the joy and celebration there's this glorious big old feast going on and there is young Ishmael who by my reckoning must be getting on for 15 something like that he's there and he's got a smirk on his face good morning Linda he's got some kind of smirk on his face and it's Sarah is super sensitive. She was sensitive when Hagar, his mother, was giving her the kind of look when she was going around, look at my baby, look at my bump. And Sarah's there as flat as a pancake thinking, no, oh, I kill you. And uh, she's resentful and super sensitive. And now 
she's got what she wanted, but she is not able to be generous to the other child of Abraham living in the house, Ishmael. And she sees what appears to her like a smirk or a snigger or a titter, you know. I guess Ishmael would have been well in with all the servants. He would have had lots of um, people his own age to hang out with from the servant quarters and so on. Um, and I guess Sarah's just like, no, I am not having that. I am not having that environment for my child to grow up in. And so she puts her foot down and says to Abraham, you need to get rid of that woman and that son. Wow. Painful. This is Abraham's son. Don't forget. This is Abraham's son. So Abraham is displeased. And God said to Abraham, verse 12, do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For though Isaac, sorry, for through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. Wow. Let's pause there and just reflect a little bit. So God in spite of what is ugly in this family relationship, and it was ugly before the boy came, before Isaac came, before the child of promise arrived, it was ugly. And who knows, when we're in a difficult family situation, having a baby doesn't make it all go away, doesn't make all the problems go away. It might be a lovely diversion temporarily and bring some joy and bring some hope, but it doesn't resolve all of the issues. All of the issues that were there before the baby will still be there when the baby comes, unless they're dealt with courageously and bravely by the people involved, and they had not been dealt bravely with bravely by Abraham and Sarah. In fact, it was a smouldering pile of resentment, wasn't it? And so... Um, but God is somehow in on all of this, even though it's difficult and painful and not godly. Nonetheless, God says, don't worry about it. Send the boy off because actually it is going to be through Isaac that your offspring is named. And so the offspring that I've been promising to you, this famous offspring, singular, coming from your son of promise, this offspring is going to come through Isaac, not through Ishmael. However, I am still going to bless Ishmael. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it, Abraham. Do what Sarah says and send the slave woman away. And that seems kind of harsh, but there is a principle here which we will... Oh, gosh, anyone who's read the Bible to any extent will be will have some idea of and that is the idea of election which is the the name theologians give to God's sovereign choice so God had before Ishmael was born God had a plan and it was to bless all the nations of the earth through Isaac now Isaac hadn't been born either so God's plan was there before um Ishmael or Isaac came into being. 
Ishmael didn't confuse God and mess up God's plans. It just meant that God had a plan for Ishmael as well. But it was a secondary plan. The primary plan which God intended was to bring the Messiah, Jesus, through the line of Abraham through Isaac. And this is really important. And so nothing has changed. God's desire to bless Ishmael hasn't changed God's original plan to um, bring the Messiah through Isaac. And so here we are. So God is saying, listen, this this is going to work out, Abraham. I know it's tough. You're in an invidious situation. You're just going to have to man up and deal with it. And he says, and I will make a nation, verse 13, of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. So we said before, Abraham was just a father of nations and he was going to produce nations because that's his destiny. That's what he's called to do. And so when he fathers a child, this child then will become the father of a nation. And this happened. And there are more nations to come. Just going to say that we'll get there in the end. But there are more nations to come from Abraham than just the two that we know of already. So Abraham, so he says, just because this son is your offspring, I'm going to make a nation out of him. Okay, don't worry about it. So Abraham, verse 14, rose early in the morning. We said when it says rose early in the morning, it's usually because someone's got a word from God and they want to crack on with it. They don't want to delay And it's a really instructive thing for us. When God speaks to us, let's do it straight away. Let's do it while it's fresh in our hearts and minds. Because let me tell you something. More um, of God's plans fail because we dither around. Or God's plans and blessings for our lives fail because we dither around. We don't get on with it. If we crack on with it when God says... It's fruitful and blessed. But if we dither around, it's like it goes, oh, did God really say surely? Really? Good morning, Nikki. Good morning, Wills. And good morning, Linda. And so so Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulders along with the child. And I don't think he put the child on her shoulders. I think the child was too big and would have been walking and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, verse 15, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. And then she went away and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. So she is dreading what seems to her to be inevitable And that is that they're both going to starve to death, but likely the son will die first because he's younger. (coughs) And and so she's gone some distance away so that she doesn't have to watch the son die. How pitiful. That is desperate. And what mum would want to be in that situation of thinking any minute now, my dear son, this this thing that I squeezed out into the world and gave life and fed from my own body this this part of me is gonna die because there's nothing left there's no resources left we've run out of water we've run out of everything listen that is a reality facing mums around the world in certain regions of the world even today let us never think 
that it's less for them because they're not like us. Gosh, this is for real. This is a real life desperate situation. This is a refugee. This is some uh, domestic violence um, victim and her child who've been banished from the home. This is difficult. Now, God is watching, which is very good. It's good to know it doesn't justify anything that went on in the home. I'm just going to say that. And she said, um, so verse uh, 17, uh, and as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Verse 17, and God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Now, this is the second time she's encountered God, isn't it? This is remarkable. This lady's got quite a high average for somebody who isn't, she's not even the main character in the story. And yet she's had two encounters now with the angel of the Lord. And so the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Um, God, if that is even you, what game are you playing? What troubles me? Um, you can see me, right? You're talking to me. What do you think is troubling me? But God wants to hear from us. This is the point. When in the middle of our situation, is no good just there. Whoa. Let's talk to God, engage with him. He wants to say to us, what's troubling you when you're in the middle of this dire, horrendous, extreme situation where nothing is left and how can there possibly be a promise over the life of my child everything seems stripped away to the bone what troubles you Hagar God is saying to you today what troubles you don't pass up that question and be annoyed with God tell him <laughs> sorry I'm preaching aren't I fear not for God has heard the pre the voice of the boy where he is. God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Wow, that's so cool. Sometimes we, we are, when we're concerned about the destiny of our child, we need to thank God that he hears the voice of the boy. He hears the voice of the child. And he's interested in this particular individual's own life and his own destiny. And then he says, God has heard the voice of the boy where he is, right in the middle of his own situation, right in the middle of this pickle, God has heard him. And then he says, up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. So he's saying to Hagar, up you get, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand. And it's some, that word there for hold fast is strengthen him, is get hold of him, put life into him by your hand. Hagar, you have backed off and you've just left him to die. Now intervene. Go right in there and lay hands on that child and inject life into him through your hand. Now, there may be a word there for somebody today. Do not back off and say, right, that's it. I will leave my child to die. I'm going to 
inject life into this child. I'm going to get in. I'm going to step up. I'm going to shake myself up. I'm going to reach out my hand into this situation that appears hopeless. I'm going to put my hand into that situation and life is going to come into it because God lives in me. Shabba, come on. And he says, uh, God, so it says, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand for I will make him into a great nation. So Hagar has this promise again, coming direct to her again. I'm going to do it. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water gave the boy a drink and God was with the boy and he grew up and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. Really interesting point is that when God intervenes, it seems so obvious the water is there. Well, was the water there before? Well, we don't know that the water was there before. Actually, when God opens her eyes, she sees it. It's like when the children of Israel are in the wilderness and the water comes out of the rock. The water, the rock was there, the, you know, and the people were there, but there was no water. And God says to Abraham, um, Moses, strike the rock, strikes the rock, the water comes out. God is doing the same miracle for this lady here, this slave woman who's running away, he's saying, I'm the rock. I'm going to open up. I'm going to pour out water for you. I'm going to provide for you in this dry, barren wilderness. I'm here for you, the well of living water. Here I am. And so God opens her eyes. She sees the well of water. And then she fills up the skin and so on and so on and so on. And the rest is history. But isn't that such an exciting story? It, I think it's absolutely beautiful and it's very instructive for us. Now, just to finish this chapter, it says at that time, Abimelech, that may be a different Abimelech, but it may be the same one as Abraham was having dealings with before. Abimelech and Phico, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. This is evident in his life, isn't it? Now, the birth of a son in his old age is another graphic example of God being with Abraham. And the, the Philistines around, the pagans around him can see that there's something unique and special going on in this guy's life. And we think people don't notice, but they do notice. And they do see God's intervention and they see these things. And often people are watching from a distance to see what God is going to do because they want some evidence to build their own faith on. I'm not sure that's the case with Abimelech, other than he may be just thinking, well, there's something about this guy. God's with him. I need to be on the right side of him. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me or my descendants, or with my posterity, that's my kind of wealth and future, my kind of stuff that's coming from my life. I don't want you to start hijacking it when I'm gone, kind of thing. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and walk the land, uh, sorry, and with the land where you have sojourned. 
And Abraham said, I will swear. Now, Abimelech had, if it is the same king, he had said to Abraham, just go wherever you want in this land. Just move around in it. Enjoy it. You're a free man. And now Abimelech is thinking, gosh, this guy who I've blessed is actually, God is with him in everything he does. And he's powerful. He's a big guy. He's like a significant force in the land. I need to just stay in a good relationship with him because God's on his side. And so he says to him, look, please, can let's come to an agreement that we, let's make a treaty that you're not going to double cross me or suddenly make a move and overthrow me and take all of the land off of me because actually I've allowed you and I've welcomed you to live here as a nomad, as a pilgrim or a traveller in this land. And you've done pretty good out of it. And Abraham, right, then verse 25, so Abraham agrees to it. He says, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech says, so Abraham's like saying, okay, come on then, Abimelech. This isn't fair either, is it? You, I've got this well and your servants have seized it and monopolized it. They've taken control of it. This isn't, this is not fair. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I've not heard of it until today. So he's saying, this is the first, actually, I've heard of it, Abraham. But fair enough. You know, let's talk about it. So verse 27, Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Now, remember, we've been talking about covenant. We said it's a binding agreement like we have in a marriage or a will. It's a legal binding agreement and it was taken very seriously and the language of covenant was understood in Abraham's day and we still understand it today. But God has chosen to deal with us on the basis of covenant in spite of the fact that he is God, can't lie, can't change his mind. So why would he even need to make a covenant? So if he says he'll do something, he'll do it. Um, but here we have a human example of covenant, which is just interesting. Um, so the Abraham take, took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewes of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of the seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? And he said, the seven ewe lambs will you will take from my hand this that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore, the, that place was called Beersheba because both of them swore an oath and they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of the army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. So Beersheba means well of the oath. They entered into an oath. They, and really what they were de describing, they were, they were building a or establishing a non-molestation treaty. Basically saying, I'm going to not interfere with your business. You don't interfere with mine. We give each other enough space. And incidentally, yes, Legally, this well belongs to Abraham and we're all in agreement with that and we're all good with it. 
And so we're not going to fight over it anymore. The end of the chapter. So what an amazing chapter. Lots to think about. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. Be with us today. Fill us with power. Let us live in the power of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Uh, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.